Hi, this is Ann Robertson, the Executive Director of the Massachusetts Bible Society. And finally, I have another sermon to post. This was preached this past Sunday, June 17th, up in Nashua, New Hampshire. So I wasn't there on officially on Massachusetts Bible Society business, but I still do get asked to preach in other locations. And so this was at Arlington Street United Methodist Church in Nashua, New Hampshire. And the sermon was sort of an adapted old one, but it's not one that's been recorded before, so I will do that. It's called Blessed to be a Blessing. The text is from Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, The Call of Abraham, and Luke 19, 1 through 10, which is the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. I should also note that I'm reading this at home and preaching it to my computer. Uh, I did actually preach it at Nashua, but and they did say they recorded it, but it's not in a form where I'm able to get it and put it up. So um, this is the substance of what was said. It may have differed a little bit. Uh, and of course, I had an introduction thanking them and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this is recorded at home, so Lord knows what you will hear in the background because it's warm and all the windows are open. One last note is that this is a church in transition. Uh, the current pastor, who's a friend of mine, is about to leave. Next Sunday is her last Sunday in the pulpit, and they're receiving a new pastor, which is going to be a change for them. This is a predominantly white uh, Anglo congregation, and they're about to receive a Korean woman as their pastor. And so you'll hear reference to that in the sermon uh, I know the woman who's coming, at least by reputation, and have heard her do some things, and she's she's wonderful. Uh, so I've also tried to pave the way a little bit for her as she comes. When we get into really depressed periods of our lives, we're often advised to count our blessings. There's that great old hymn with that theme, Count your blessings, name them one by one. You know it. And certainly it is good advice. The happy people are the ones who focus on what they do have and not what they don't. There's always something for which we can be thankful. There are days that you really have to stretch, but there's always something, and gratitude is what heals the heart. But as helpful as it is to count our blessings, that advice, I think, is only the beginning. The larger and more important question is, why have I been given these blessings? And we almost never go there. The reigning assumption about God in America seems to be that God exists in order to improve my life. It's all about me. If I live right, God will give me good things. If something goes wrong in my life, I'm being punished. If I get something wonderful, it's a well-earned reward or a sign of God's love for me. Well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that God does love each one of us as individuals. God hears our prayers, has the hairs of our heads numbered, Scripture tells us, and cares about both the large and the small things in our lives. The bad news is that God doesn't separate us out as individuals from the larger group of the human family. That's really hard for Americans to understand, but it's critical in understanding what the Bible has to say. The Bible details salvation history. Not the salvation of individuals, but the salvation of God's people. It's always about the group first and the individual second. The Israelites clung to the promise of a Savior generation after generation for thousands of years. They endured slavery for over 400 years. But they never stopped believing that God answered prayer 
just because they didn't see it in their own personal lifetime. Because they knew it wasn't just about them. It was about God's promise to a people and ultimately to the world. Let's go back and look at that passage from Genesis. It's a famous passage, God's call to Abraham. All three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, trace their roots back there to this one man and his faithful response to God's call. God's call to Abraham is asking him to take a great leap of faith, to leave the only home he's ever known, and to venture to some place he's never heard of without so much as a GPS system. In return, God offers him a blessing, a blessing for Abraham and his descendants. Now that much we would expect. Okay, God, if you're going to ask me to do something as scary and as crazy as this, there had better be something in it for me. You'd better make the path easy and bless me for doing it. We want rewards so that after we've done the hard work, we can sit back and enjoy the fruits of our labors. But listen to what God actually says to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The reason God blesses Abraham is so that he can turn around and pass that blessing on to others. Not just members of his family or his tribe or his city or his nation, but all the families of the earth. We are blessed by God in order that we might also be a blessing to others. Not just our own family or the church or the town, although that might be a nice place to start, but the goal is for all the nations of the earth to be blessed. Counting our blessings without then asking how God would like us to use those blessings, I think is simply greed and selfishness. It's not that we can't partake in the blessing as individuals. They are given to us, but they're not given only to us. In one sense, they're a reward. They're a reward for faithfulness. But the reason that God rewards faithfulness is because faithful people share their blessings with others. Once we start keeping all the blessings to ourselves, either as individuals or as a church, we're no longer faithful, and the rewards will dry up. We need to stop looking at everything as consumers. I want what you will give, and so I pay you for it. End of transaction, end of blessing. Two people are helped. Instead of paying someone back for a blessing and ending the cycle, a movie a few years back suggested that we should pay it forward. So if I receive a blessing from Ginny, then I can turn around and give a blessing to Mildred, who can then give a blessing to Steve, who can pass it along to Bill, in a never-ending sequence of blessing. And soon all the families of the earth would be blessed. We find that attitude in the stories of the early church, and today, in the church in Africa and Asia and Latin America, the places where the church is growing. But you don't find it as often in America and Europe, where the church is declining. I think there's a connection. When you do find it here, you tend to find it in poor churches. It's rare, I find, in communities that are middle class and above. I envy the opportunity you'll have shortly to hear the gospel through the lens of a Korean woman. If you're like most New England churches, that's a step out of your comfort zone. And you can bet it's out of her comfort zone as well. And yet God has called you both, 
and you will have the opportunity to hear the good news from the perspective of a culture that natively understands the importance of the group instead of just individuals, and a culture where the love of God runs deep and the willingness to sacrifice to spread the gospel is a given. When I served on the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry, I had the privilege of interviewing many new people coming into ministry. There was one group of people I interviewed I will never forget. All of those in that session, just by coincidence, had been born outside the United States, in Korea, Africa, South America, and the Caribbean. Every single one of them had endured things to enter ministry that would have sent me running to be a banker or something. Two had literally been beaten for their faith, one by her own mother. They were persecuted, impoverished, ostracized, imprisoned, and had every obstacle imaginable thrown in their way. But God called, and they responded, leaving homeland and in some cases all of their family to follow that call. In listening to their stories, I was moved to the core. I went back to the church I was serving at the time and said from the pulpit, Wimps! We are all wimps! Who am I to sit in judgment over whether these people can enter ministry? They've followed where I doubt I would have ever gone. They have courage I can only dream about, and a love of God unmatched either in myself or in my American-born colleagues. We have no idea what it means to sacrifice for our faith, so stop fussing about comfortable pews and organ music and whether candle wax gets dripped here or there and get out and make disciples. They looked a little bit shell-shocked. But I think there's a reason that churches in Africa and Asia are sending missionaries to us here in the United States. Just as your current pastor has given you gifts and opportunities, you're being given a new set of gifts and opportunities in your new pastor. Be sure to thank God for them and to share them. Zacchaeus understood that concept at a gut level. When Jesus blessed him by agreeing to go to his home, an act that in that culture of hospitality made all sorts of statements about acceptance, friendship, and honor, and here was Zacchaeus, a sinner. Zacchaeus didn't even wait for dinner to happen before announcing that he would change his corrupt ways, give away half of what he owned, and give back fourfold to all those he had defrauded. Now, tax collectors in those days were pretty corrupt. That was going to be a lot of people. He didn't take the blessing and pay Jesus for it. He used his blessing to bless others. And what about the blessings we have in our local church? Does our fine music only bless our own members? I know it would never be true of this church, but there are some churches that keep the good news of the gospel contained in the church walls, and you can only get it if you go there for just a brief hour on a Sunday morning. Jesus called his disciples out of their homes and comfortable lives to take the good news out to those who had not heard. There would be no story of Zacchaeus if Jesus had stayed in the synagogue. There would be no nation of Israel if Abraham had not been willing to get up off his duff and leave the city. We are blessed in order to be a blessing for all the nations of the earth. It's true of our possessions, but it's also true of our talents. God has blessed me with a talent for writing. God has blessed many with amazing musical gifts. Some share their teaching gifts or administrative gifts or the wonderful blessing of just showing up and helping wherever needed. 
It doesn't matter what's happening, those folks are always there to bless others with a helping hand. God has blessed you. Count your blessings. But don't stop there. You are blessed to be a blessing. God's intention is that all the nations of the earth should be blessed by the actions of God's people. Who have you blessed recently? What blessing does this church give to the Nashua community? If this church were suddenly destroyed and all its members scattered, would God see a need to rebuild it? Are there groups outside the church that would say, how are we possibly going to get along without Arlington Street there to help us? Would Nashua mourn the loss? I don't know. I don't know about this church. I hope they would. But for some churches in some communities, no one outside the church would even notice their absence. God is working the salvation of the world through us. It's our job. The Jews were not chosen by God for special privilege, but for special service. It's the same for Christians and for anybody else who receives God's blessing. Don't hoard it. Spread it. Don't pay it back. Pay it forward. For every material blessing you have received, for the gift of talent or health or land or a kind and loving spirit, for the good news of the love of God in Jesus Christ, whatever it is, you were given that blessing in order that you might use it to bless others. But please don't hear this as saying that we can't enjoy any of the blessings we receive, that we only look at the gourmet meal from the outside and never taste any of it. Some Christians make that mistake, thinking their own lives are to be barren while they give everything to others. But it's a much more gracious plan than that. It's like the miracle of the loaves and fishes. As we share the blessing we have, the blessing grows and multiplies until every person present, including us, is satisfied, and there are huge amounts of leftovers still. It's the basic lesson we learned in kindergarten. Share. One toy lovingly and willingly shared creates community. One toy hoarded creates tears and temper tantrums. Wealth and resources that are lovingly and willingly shared creates a, grace, a graceful and grateful and peaceful world. Wealth and resources that are stockpiled and hoarded, I think, leads to poverty and war. For those who do not profess faith, there isn't a rule. But for those who look to Abraham or to the Bible for guidance, it couldn't be more clear. Enjoy God's blessings. Count them one by one. Then pass them on wherever they are needed, that through God's people all the nations of the earth should be blessed. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. Love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Music